0: Someone cuts you off in traffic, and let's be honest, that can be irritating, but it's not that big a deal. But a friend lies to you, or they start, a ru- they start a rumor about you, or they steal from you, and that can be devastating. Who hasn't been hurt or offended by a friend? Who hasn't been hurt or offended by a close friend? Probably all of us have at one time or another. And maybe it was something as simple as they called you a name in elementary school, or it was a coworker you really liked and was good friends with, but they took credit for one of your ideas on a big project. Or maybe it was something really serious. It was the unfaithfulness of your spouse. These actions, and many others, can leave wounds that will cause lasting feelings of anger, Bitterness, if left unchecked. And these hurts and offenses, they can have a fatal effect on that relationship. But the secret to healing the relationship is our verb today. As we wrap up our series called Verbs with Friends. And that verb is this, forgive. And you know, Jesus knew this kind of hurt personally and it came from what might seem as a really unlikely source It was Peter. That's because Peter, with the brothers James and John, was part of the inner circle around Jesus. It might not have surprised many that Judas Iscariot would betray Jesus, but I think it was a shock to most when Peter was the one who denied ever knowing Jesus. Let me give you a little history about Peter and his relationship with Jesus. Peter was one of the first two disciples called by Jesus. Peter and his brother Andrew, the very first two who were called by Jesus. And Peter was a fisherman when Jesus first met him. And Jesus called him to walk away from everything. He said, come follow me. And and Peter did just that. He left his life behind him. Peter was the one who walked on water when he walked out to meet Jesus. Now, it's true that he eventually sank, but keep in mind, Peter actually got out of the boat and walked on water. And then Jesus gave Peter his name, Peter. You see, Simon was his given name, but Jesus gave him the new name. Now, Cephas was the name he gave him in Aramaic, which means rock, but if you translate that to greek that's petros in greek which means rock and that word was transliterated which is where we get the name peter peter came as a person who was probably arguably one of the closest people to jesus on planet earth so when peter denies jesus that's a big deal now peter's denials all began earlier in that day when Jesus told the disciples that all of them were gonna desert him. Look what what we read in Matthew, the 26th chapter, verse 31, it says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. This was a prophecy about the Messiah from Zechariah, the 13th chapter, verse 7. But when Peter hears this, he speaks up in one of these chest-thumping moments. Listen to what he says in his reply, verse 33 and following. He says, says Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I, will ne- I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So Peter brags to Jesus that no matter what happens, you can always count on me. And even going so far to say that he would die with Jesus if it came to that. And initially it seems that if there's one guy in this group of 12 that would actually die for Jesus, it's probably Peter. But later that night, Peter showed up at the home of the high priest, which is where Jesus was being interrogated. And Peter is waiting outside in a courtyard, trying to stay warm, stay near the fire, when three people, at three different times, recognize Peter, and they accuse him of being one of those who was with Jesus. Each time, Peter denied it. But on the third time, Peter went off. Matthew records his response. It says this in Matthew 26 verse 74, then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And then Luke continues the narrative. In Luke 22, 61 and 62, it says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter denied knowing Jesus three times, and then the next day, Jesus would be crucified. As Peter wept, he was likely consumed with his regret. He had failed his closest friend, and there was nothing he could do to repair the damage that he had done. But on the following Sunday, Peter gets word that Jesus is risen from the dead. And when he hears this, he takes off running to the tomb to check this out for himself. And he found the tomb as as it was told to him. It was empty. Jesus would be seen by many people after the resurrection. In fact, on one occasion, a crowd of 500 people saw him. On several of these sightings, Peter was present. But it isn't until the last chapter in John's gospel over of Jesus' life, that Jesus has a conversation with Peter that is directly related to Peter's denials. Peter is with six of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus appears. And after eating breakfast together with them, Jesus and Peter take a walk, and they have what is what we would probably call a semi-private conversation. John is not that far away. They haven't had a conversation, a personal talk like this since before the crucifixion. We find this this conversation in John, the 21st chapter. Pick it up in verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, the word Jesus uses here is the Greek word agape, which is the purest and highest form of love. Do you agape me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. But Peter uses the word phileo. Phileo denotes more of a brotherly love or a brotherly affection, which is a much less intense form of love. Peter knows the word that Jesus uses, But after denying him three times, Peter's humbled and he just can't bring himself to rise to the highest level to use the word agape. Then Jesus says, feed my lambs. Verse 16, again Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He uses the word agape again. And? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, phileo you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Finally, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Jesus uses the term phileo. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I owe you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus gives Peter three opportunities to confess his love. Now this has had to be a hard time for Peter because by the third time Jesus asked him, do you love me? Peter had to have understood the connection between his three denials and these three questions, do you love me? This is why the writer John includes in verse 17 that phrase, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. It's in this instance we see the humbled version of the apostle Peter. By backing down to the more human level of love, Jesus completed the reinstatement. In effect, Jesus is saying to Peter, I know you're giving me all the love that you can and it's, not, it's enough. Jesus shows Peter that he forgives him. Jesus gives Peter a path to respond to. He said, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. He's telling Peter, shepherd the flock. And Peter would. Peter's life would be evidence that he loved Jesus, that he was a shepherd to the flock, that he loved the church that Jesus was entrusting to him. Forgiveness has the power to restore relationships. Jesus forgave Peter, and their relationship was restored. And Peter thought it never would be after Jesus' crucifixion. That's what Peter saw when Jesus asked him those questions This story emphasizes that despite our human weakness, our failures, our sins, Jesus is eager to forgive us and restore that relationship with us. Let's take a minute here and look at how we might apply what we see in this encounter between Jesus and Peter. The question I want to ask is how to respond when I'm the one who caused the hurt. There will be those times when you will be the one who wounds a friend. Maybe something you say, something you did. How should you respond in that moment? Now, I know that this may be hard to believe, but I have offended more than my share of people over the course of my lifetime. And most of the time, it's been due to me joking around or attempting to be funny. Rarely, have I intentionally meant to hurt or offend anyone? In 2017, I was in Nepal with a, on a mission with several ministry leaders from around Lexington. Now, Lexington had adopted Nepal as the country that we were going to work to see that every people group in Nepal would have the Bible in their own heart language. I didn't know most of the guys that were on this team, but I was getting to know them while on this trip. And for me, humor is very disarming. It's a way to break down walls. And so I was making these new friends by telling funny stories. Every day was packed with all kinds of activity, teaching, visiting uh, village churches, encouraging ministry leaders around the country, sharing the gospel, and much more much more, But every night, we would gather together to eat dinner together. One of those nights, one of those guys on that team started teasing me because my mom had sent him a friend request on social media. And he was teasing me, saying, you know, Your mom wants to know how you're doing. Is is Monty eating his vegetables? Is Is he getting enough rest? He was really giving me a hard time. Now my mom had been following our team like a lot of people in Lexington were but she became interested in the various ministry groups that were represented on this team and that's why she sent the friend request. But he was giving me a hard time and started teasing me that night at dinner. And so I... I just verbally punched back, throwing a zinger back at him with regard to his mom. Nothing serious. But that ended the teasing. We finished dinner. We were sitting around. But I noticed that my new friend was unusually quiet. My first thought was, what did I say? (laughs) Did I offend him somehow? And then he excused himself from dinner and went to his hotel room. It seemed like something was wrong, and so I reviewed what I had said. It wasn't mean, it wasn't cruel, but maybe he took it wrong. So I felt like I should talk to him. So I went to his room, and I asked him the question. I said, hey, man, have I offended you somehow? And he looked at me, and he said, yes. He said that his mom had died almost a year earlier, and because of that, he felt that my teasing him was very insensitive and completely inappropriate. The truth is, I had no idea that his mom had passed away. So I apologized, and I asked for his forgiveness. If you caused the hurt, take responsibility for it and ask for forgiveness. If you caused it, own it, and then ask for forgiveness. If you care about a friendship that you, won't, that you don't want to wound them, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, if you realize that you have hurt or offended someone, you should apologize for the offense and ask for their forgiveness. Now, I could have argued that I didn't know about his mother's passing, but I was more interested in fixing the relationship than defending my actions. Let me ask another question. How do you respond if you're the one who's been offended? How should you respond? You know, if the offense is really serious enough, It would be easy to just end the relationship right there and never have to deal with that person ever again. But ignoring this can lead to the emergence of bitterness that over time can actually consume a person. Viktor Frankl was a prisoner in a Nazi war camp and later became a psychiatrist following the war. And drawing from his own experiences, he wrote this. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing. The last of human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. To choose one's own way. I know that we may have many choices on how to respond when someone hurts you or someone offends you. I strongly want to recommend that you choose to forgive as being one of the main choices. Choose to forgive, and here's why. Forgive because not forgiving actually hurts you. They may not miss another wink of sleep over this, but you will spend hours of sleepless nights thinking over those offenses, and it can just build up inside of you. Hebrews twelve fifteen says, guard against turning back from the grace of God. Let no one become a bitter plant that grows up and causes many troubles with its poison. There are many who are living with this bitter plant. They're not even completely aware of it because they've learned to function with it for so long. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says that love keeps no record of wrongs, but bitterness, it keeps detailed ledgers of every wrong ever committed by those offenders. We remember what he did, or what she said, or how she said it. And that was over 10 years ago, (laughs) and yet it... It just seems like it was just yesterday. This bitterness acts like a cancer in our soul. It eats away at us. It hurts our relationships with other people. It even can hurt our relationship with God. Anne Lamott, a writer, wrote, Unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison and hoping it kills the other person. How ludicrous is that? And yet, that's what unforgiveness can lead to. Why would you want to go around holding a grudge that hurts you? So why should we forgive? Well, let's start with the most basic reason. Unforgiveness hurts me. Forgiving someone can be difficult because sometimes we feel like they don't deserve it or they've never asked for it or and they're just like, they don't even care, and so they don't really deserve the forgiveness. And that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about if forgiveness is good for me, to forgive them, it's good for me, then what can I do to forgive them? I wanna give you three things that I think can help us to forgive. The first is this. Pray for people you struggle to forgive. Pray for them. Now, don't pray that they get hemorrhoids or get run over by a bus. If you pray that way, then you're probably missing the point, okay? We should pray like Jesus prayed when he was on the cross. He looked to heaven and he prayed, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Craig Rochelle said, my prayers for others may or may not change them, but my prayers for others always change changed me. And isn't that our hope? That we can grow past that wound and that offense? So pray for people you struggle to forgive. Number two, forgive like Jesus. Jesus is the one who set the gold standard on how to forgive. He gave his own life to forgive you and me. In Colossians 3, verses Uh, Chapter three, verse 13, we read, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. The Apostle Paul is saying, hang in there with each other. Forgive when you're sinned against. And if you're not sure how to do that, then forgive the way that Jesus forgave you. That brings us to the third point. Forgive so Satan doesn't get a foothold. Forgive so that Satan doesn't get any opportunity, any leverage, or any angle to work in your life. There are many times in the past when I was initially hurt or offended, and that would then usually led to me becoming mad, which would cause me to spend time thinking of ways to retaliate or to get even. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. When emotions get out of control, the devil steps in to exploit the situation. And he will. He will use your anger to take you further from God, from where God wants you to be and where he, desi- where he is leading you to be, whether through an action taken in the heat of the moment, he'll work in that, or during a time of just smoldering resentment. In those times, we give the devil room to operate. You've already been wounded, but if you're not cautious, Your anger and bitterness will open a door to allow the devil to drag you down even further. But forgiveness will keep the devil from gaining that greater access. So spiritually speaking, it just makes sense to forgive. Let me close with this. I love the advice from Joyce Meyer that she gave about forgiving those who hurt you. She said, Do yourself a favor and forgive quickly and freely. The longer you hold a grudge, the more difficult it is to let it go. If we care about relationships, let's forgive. It's healthier for us, and it's good for them. And it will possibly even save the relationship. Let's pray together. Lord, When we think about forgiveness, I know that the picture of someone may have popped into the minds of those who are listening to this talk. In fact, we may come up with not just a person, but a list of people who have hurt us over the course of our lives. And when we think about them and what they said or what they did, it hurts us and offends us all over again. It makes us angry. Some of us have been You know, brewing this bitterness inside of our soul. Lord, help us to forgive them. Not because they deserve it, but so they no longer can hurt us. And Lord, once we forgive them, help us to move on from that. Help us to stop talking about it, to rehearsing it, or reliving it. Lord, I know the things that we feed usually grow. So the less we talk about it, the less we feed it, the sooner it will cease to hurt us. And Lord, I am grateful for the example that Jesus set when it comes to forgiveness. I'm so thankful, God, that he forgave us. Lord, help us to live in that manner, to forgive like Jesus did. We pray this in his precious name. Amen.
1: Well, hey, thanks again for joining us for Northeast Online. We hope that you were encouraged today. And listen, if you'd like to talk with someone further, if you'd like to, to unpack maybe something you heard, we have online hosts standing by. So you can send us a direct message right there on social media. And, um, and we'd love to just connect with you and then walk alongside your next steps here at Northeast. Listen, next week is Mother's Day. And so we're so excited to celebrate mothers together right here online, but also in person at 1045. So we invite you, if you're ready, join us in person next week for Mother's Day. It's gonna be a very, very special service. And we're looking forward to that together. And finally, listen, we, we always, when we gather, we carve out time to worship again in a variety of ways. One of those is generosity. You know, it's, it's gifts, it's offerings, it's ties that that fuel the mission and propel the work of Northeast in the 40509 and beyond. And so we're so grateful for you partnering with us and giving generously, uh, whether that's through the app, whether that's at ncclex.org or, or through the mail. It doesn't matter how. We're just grateful that you do. And hey, um, finally, look, if... Um, If you have any questions, I mean, you can always reach out ncclex.org slash connect, but we're so glad that you're tuning in with us online. Have a great week and we'll see you again real soon.